Hello to my fellow humans with true crime obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I am Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, with my co-host watching football with his dad, his grandpa, and his grandma. Upstairs, the baby dog known as Rory. Today, we are going to look at the survival story of Suzanne Walters. everyone um i do apologize for being mia last week i went down and saw my goddaughter and life just kind of got out of hand i just very busy very busy so i forgot and uh, it was just busy day at work or week at work and everything too so here we are i did watch uh jeffrey or dahmer last week so while holding an infant or a newborn so that's normal (laughs) But it was really good, and every, I, I, you know, I keep seeing everything online that like, oh, it's so gross, it's so gross, and I'm like, I don't think it's that bad, to be honest with you. It's very psychological, and you know, everything. But I like it. I've liked, I've enjoyed it so far. So I still got to finish like four four episodes or something like that. But I don't want to really watch it while I'm here with my husband because he's not a not a fan. But um, like I said, busy week at work. We had like a team retreat thing so we did that for a few days and like Thursday I got up at like five o'clock in the morning and worked out and then didn't get home till like 7 30 because we did like an escape room but we escaped which was perfect and uh then we did like a dinner a fancy dinner and everything so it was a good time um my in-laws are here right now so if you hear any anything in the background it just we have a little bit more people here in the house than we normally do um but that's fine it's it's nice to have them here um what else oh i started reading because for this book or this retreat thing that we had we had to read a book and it's called i read i love it here and uh pretty much about like how to create a better culture at work and everything and i was like i really want to get back into reading because after everything that happened i was having like flashbacks and stuff at night and it was just like this isn't better by me watching sitting here and watching TikTok. So what I did was I decided to buy myself a Kindle and I have since read that book that I was supposed to read for my retreat. I read Crave, um, which is a is like 100% a Twilight girl's dream. Uh, I read that. I read Ace of Spades, which is very good. It's described as like Gossip Girl meets Get Out. I mean, my... My jaw dropped a couple of times while reading that book. Like, I was at the gym and I audibly gasped several times. So, highly recommend. And I'm currently starting uh, Crush, which is uh, also part of, like, the Crave series. Very, it's not, like, the best written book, but neither was Twilight, right? Not not great, but it satisfies the weird, whatever weird need that I have for it. Um, and I'm about, like... 30% done of that book. So I'm just cruising through books within the last 10 days or so since I got my Kindle. But it's a good little relief. I, I read while I'm at the gym. Today I did like an hour on the elliptical and an hour on the bike. And I read like 200 pages <laughs> in the book. So definitely, um, oh, you can hear the ice maker. But um, yeah, so hopefully um, you all are all doing well. I think we will break 600 downloads. 
with this episode. Hopefully, we were very, very close. Last time I just checked a little while ago, we were creeping up on 600. So very happy, very excited, and we should... Yeah, 600, that's insane. Hopefully, you know, we should be at 1,000 by the end of the year. That's insane to me. Um, we, I, I saw some new people uh, or new downloads from different countries, so even cooler. I uh, appreciate it. Follow me on my social medias. We'll go over those a little bit when I'm done. But uh, without further ado, we can get started. So, so this is a survival story of Susan Walters, also known as uh, Susan Kenhausen. I, I'm just going to call her Susan because she's a badass and she just deserves to be called Susan. So Susan was born in 1955, um, and unfortunately, same, right? <laughs> I haven't, they didn't witness a whole, she didn't witness a whole lot of happy marriages growing up, same. Um, and her, her father was an Air Force cook, and her mother was a homemaker, um, and they separated when she was young in second grade. Life was chaotic as a child. They moved from Colorado to, Cal- uh, to Arizona, California to Nevada, shuffling, you know, doing the normal shuffle between schools, uh, homes, and parents. She said, my parents loved me, but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage any more than they could teach me how to fly. Susan eventually became a licensed uh, nurse, a uh, practical nurse, and then a registered nurse. She moved to Oregon in the early 80s and settled, uh, she settled down in Coos Bay and then later in, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, she was very outgoing, very um, vivacious, as they described, and she had a very loud, boisterous laugh, which was like my favorite kinds of laughs from people. And she, also, she often went to comedy clubs, and she'd sit in the front row. Like, she loved that kind of stuff. In 1988... Uh, a friend and her mom, Susan's mom, paid for a personal ad for uh, in for Susan in the Willamette Week, uh, described as it's a very short ad. Someone different, single white female or S W F, thirty three, overweight but not over life, cause same girl, seeks single man who wants more of a relation out of a relationship than just slender. Also, same girl. Yes. So perfect. Uh, one of the many of the replies uh, said, Hi, different. My name is Mike. I'm 39-year-old, divorced white male. I enjoy most things in nature, from wandering in the ape caves at Saint Mount uh, St. Mount Cla- Helens to walking on the beach at sunset. The day she first spoke with Mike um, by phone was January uh, 1988. She marked, and she had a little day book, which is a thing. It's more like we just have like things now on our phones. But she put a little smiley face and red ballpoint pen on the day that they all talked. She spoke to him on the phone lots of times um, ac- before actually they met, before they actually met. Like she thinks that they spoke probably for 100 hours on the phone before actually meeting. She described that he had a nice voice, a uh, nice voice, and was impressed that he wanted to talk about deeper things, um, which I feel like that's normal. I feel like we, we should talk to people and text them and, and do things with them longer before we meet them. I did that with my now husband. Um, we talked a lot before we ended up meeting in person. For their first date in February 1988, they met at the Crystal Springs Rhododendron Garden, uh, it's near, near Reed College. They fed ducks and he um, he just was like giving some peanuts to the squirrels nearby. 
within a year, um, they ended up getting married in Reno. Uh, he liked to play slots, and Susan didn't, you know, figured no bigger gamble in life than marriage, right? <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, things went sideways quickly. Um, she says it wasn't very long after we got married that there was no more hiking, no more getting out. Mike was from Portland, um, and he was adopted as a newborn in 1948 by a couple in their 30s. He told Susan uh, he saw combat in Vietnam, but ultimately now she kind of doubts that. Military records list him as a switchboard operator. Within a few years of the wedding, Mike got a new job as a janitorial supervisor for Oregon Entertainment, uh, the parent company of Fantasy Adult Video. He started slowly revealing to, you know, in the early years of their marriage, um, that he he just wasn't a happy guy. Uh, She said that he always said that his philosophy was, life is a shit sandwich and every day you take another bite until you die. So, not a very good... uh, life philosophy there. They never had any kids together, and Susan was fine with that. Mike chain-smoked while guzzling Diet Cokes, and he always hounded Susan about her plans when she went out. Very controlling, it sounds like. He watched her spending and complained about minor purchases. These are all red flags, people. Not the guzzling Diet Cokes. I love me a good DC. But about 17 years into their marriage, Susan, she was done, right? She was done. Um, you know, if she tried to kiss him, he'd burp, which is disgusting. She says, I cared about him, but I I didn't want to live with him anymore. So she wanted to be happy again. So in September 2005, she kicked him out. Adios, amigos. Not amigos. Adios, man. So he ended up moving in with his, uh, his dad. But she, first, she never changed the locks or the alarm code. 1210, that was their anniversary. Because why would you do that? Why would you suspect anything bad would happen? Well, remember, she was an emergency room nurse for 30 years at a a Providence Portland uh, Medical Center in in Portland, Oregon. Uh, They are regularly trained in self-defense. These nurses are, you know, she had experience administrating IVs to people that are thrashing around, uh, especially if they're going through like a drug withdrawal. Or, you know, occasionally cracked open chest of patients to, in order to perform a heart massage, which is, I can't. I couldn't do it. Good job for you. So after she kicked him out, which I was looking back, and it's between, like, 2005 and 2006, I, I just kind of saw both things. Um, so, but in 2006, so I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards this happening. Well, I know it happened in 2006. But so she ended a shift at the Port- Providence Portland Medical Center. And she headed to get her hair done at Perfect Look Hair Salon. Um, She waited her turn, as you do, and she picked up a copy of the Oprah magazine and read a poem, I will not die an unlived life, it began. I will not live in fear. Later, she gets her hair did. Do you, girl? Looking good. Uh, You know, she's she's ready to rock and roll. She goes back home to her one-story Cape Cod, gray picket fence, in southeast Portland. So she goes in the back room, uh, the mud room in the back of the house, um, found a note on her, the microwave from her husband of almost 18 years, right? They had been married for a while. She, he, it goes, Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach. So he's not there. That's what the note says. He added that he'd see her, you know, Friday or Saturday. Love me, he signed off. 
I'm locking the door, she, you know, trying to go into the kitchen. She heard some beeping of her security alarm. So she obviously, you know, you got to go and you got to disarm it. It's at the front of the house. And then she went back outside. Uh, it was clear, nice day, about 6.30 at night. Stood for a minute in the two, bringing in, looking at the night in the front yard. She's flipping through her mail. These are all normal things that we do, right? We come home, we look, we go through the mail, all that stuff. Well, she comes back inside. She kicks off her Birkenstocks. And notice that her, her bedroom is real dark in the first floor. Had she forgotten to open the curtain, she thought? Suddenly, from behind the bedroom door, a man lurched towards her. This man is 5'9", 59-year-old stranger, and he weighed about 190 pounds. He wore dockers, a blue striped shirt, and a tan baseball hat pulled down over his eyes. He had long hair, and it was in a ponytail and was tucked into the cap. He had rubber gloves on with his ha- on his hands and carried a red and black claw hammer. He struck her several times in the head, but she ended up having actually got the hammer away from him. And as uh, they kind of started wrestling and everything, and the intruder bit Susan, so she bit him back. She ended up getting over him and kept saying, who sent you here, she asked, you know, squeezing his airway. His face ended up turning red, purple, darker purple, blue. Um, she got scared, right? She wasn't trying to kill this guy. So she let go and she tried to get out of there. Uh, she says, I don't know what I thought. I just had to get out of there. The man later identified the guy as Edward Dalton Haffey. And he caught her as she was still trying to run out into the narrow hallway outside the bedroom. Spun her around, punched her in the face, split her lip, punched her again, and she ended up falling to the floor. The next image is one that she says haunts her. Quote, he was standing over with me with a hammer. I looked at the floor. I thought, I'm going to die that day. To this day, she's not sure how she managed to get him to the floor, but all she kept telling herself was, I got to get the hammer. So she ended up biting him, thinking, you know, hey, if for some reason I'm going to die, her teeth marks are going to tie her death to him. Um, and he bit her arm, his side, and his thigh. She even bit his uh, through his zipper into his genitals. At the same time, um, she was trying to go through his pockets, trying to find an idea, an ID, so she could toss it under the bed or the chair or a dresser so that the police could find it. Um, she said, I was a downed power line snapping on the pavement, she said. And so she was just flying, doing everything she possibly could to get away from this guy, to make sure that as much as she could do to, if something is going to happen, she's going to, this guy is going to get tied to her death. The fight lasted for about a total of 14 minutes. They were both wedged on their sides in the hallway, just outside the bedroom. Uh, she threw her leg over his body, climbed on top of him, and hooked his, his, her left arm around his neck. So kind of like in a, like a weird chokehold situation. And she goes, tell me who sent you here and I will call a fucking ambulance. She yelled in his face. He didn't say anything and he growled at her. So she leaned forward, forward tightened her former, forearm around his neck, and he stopped moving. She ended up grabbing the hammer and fled outside neighbors and called to call 911. When she was over at her neighbors, uh, where they did dial 911, she goes, 911 dispatcher goes, what did she use on him? She strangled him. What else did she do? Her, the neighbor's name is Anne. She put a chokehold on him. I've got help on the way. Stay on the line. She has a hammer here. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Just leave it there. She hit him in the head several times. That's the hammer that he had with him. She struck him and she strangled him and she thinks he's dead. That night, Portland police found the body of Edward in the house. 
They discovered the yellow rubber gloves, the bottle of a Hershey's chocolate syrup, and diabetes pills in his possession. They also found his daily planner. On September 4th, it wrote, Call Mike, with her husband, Mike's phone number. The police soon discovered that Happy and Mike worked together at the same uh, adult video store in the area. Susan learned the night of the attack that she had killed Happy. Speaking on a TV show called I Survived, she recounted how she had left in those first few moments after hearing that her would-be killer, a hitman hired by her own husband, was dead. She goes, quote, I immediately began to think about his family. Everybody has somebody who loves them, children, a wife, a mother, a dad. The worst of this is that that somebody tried to kill me, but I had to kill somebody else to survive, that I have no shame. I have no shame because I did not choose the death for him. I chose my life. I chose life. One week after the attempted murder, the police found Mike hiding in Sunnyside, Oregon. The following day, she ended up finally filing for that divorce. On August 30th, 2007, Mike pled guilty for soliciting a murder-for-hire plot against his wife, and he was sentenced to seven years in prison. Because why not, right? Why not just sentence him for seven years? Not a big deal, right? He only tried to murder his wife through somebody else. What a coward. And essentially all he did, he promised to pay the guy $50,000 to kill. And the guy obviously didn't. $50,000 isn't that much money to kill somebody. So in the years after, she ever since this attack, um, she's always felt like somebody was watching her. She ended up moving to a new house in Portland, spent most of her time practicing in a shooting range. Um, she thought, hey, i got to be prepared if this guy comes back after her or... He hires somebody else to kill her. Um, But thankfully, uh, he was sentenced. He was about to get out three months from out from getting out. He died from cancer in prison. Um, And as his that release date was coming up, Susan um, took drastic measures to prevent, you know, her from or him from coming to kill her or, you know, hiring somebody else. Um, She has said that in that that April before he got released that she had installed an alarm system, laid gravel outside the house to hear footsteps, and planned to put up surveillance cameras. She also devised what she called a run plan to go into hiding. Um, And if things went poorly, she also wrote a will, which is sad. Um, After she found out that her ex-husband passed away, you know, she breathed a little bit easier, but she said that she also felt bad or sad. Um, quote, I don't mourn his passing. Instead, I mourn the life he could have had. If only he could have opened his heart for those who cared about him. She survived this violent encounter. Um, she's very, very deeply involved in victim advocacy work. As a former ER nurse, she's worked closely with justice programs in the Portland area, including Women's Strength and Girl Strength programs and the Oregon Crime Victims Law Center. In 2017, she worked with the Macoma County District's uh, office in creating Case Companion, a free website dedicated to supporting victims of crime in the area. It answers questions about the justice system, to expect in, what to expect in proceedings, and provides online resources for victims. Furthermore, as soon as the office files charge, uh, charges, victims can track their offenders' court dates, sentencing details, and information about offenders when they are released. So... They don't have to live in the fear that she lived in for all those years coming up to her ex-husband's release. Short one today, y'all, but that's all I have for you. 
Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope that you all continue to listen and hang out with me on hopefully a weekly basis. Next week, I have Ezra McCandless, which is a crazy, another crazy little story. I have a lot of stories that I want to do, but a lot of them are involving children. I'm just not like ready to do that quite yet. Um, but yeah, I will, I will let, have to let you guys uh, know, but I don't really know when I'll be ready to do those. Regardless, uh, we'll get there. And if you guys want to follow me on social media, it's Crime Obsessed Dog Mom or CO Dog Mom Podcast. Um, check me out on TikTok. That's a big one of my bigger followings, I think. Twitter, and you can send me a Gmail at CO Dog Mom, CO Dog Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to give me some ratings on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or all of the places. Leave me some comments. Do any of the things. I would appreciate any kind of interaction. Um, so all my source materials for this are going to be in the show notes that are on. I publish them with the show notes. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me and I will holler at y'all later. Uh, stay kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to your animals, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.